The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. We know you would like to sit next to him in the dugout or in his office, but this is your chance to chat with the manager of the Minnesota Twins. This is the Paul Molitor Show, sponsored by Killigrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Now, here are the hosts of the Paul Molitor Show, Chris Atterbury and Jack Morris. It is indeed the Paul Molitor Show. Good to have everybody in the same room. Jack Morris is here. Paul Molitor is here. And it's even better, Paul, when you hit about 10 home runs the night before uh, we do this show. So we, we lead things off by saying thank you for a thumping of the White Sox last night to make this a little more fun for everybody. Uh, it was good to get to see a game like that. We, yeah. we haven't had one where we could uh, at least breathe a little easier for quite a while. Uh, you know, you have a chance and an opportunity to, to put a lot of runs on the board early. And uh, as awkward as it seems, you don't get too comfortable, no matter how big the lead is these days. But um, Hector took care of business, put some zeros up after we had the eight-run third, and, and we were able to find our way through the rest of the game. So we all know wins have been tough to come by. Um, we got a couple so far this series, and hopefully we can finish off a, a, a good weekend with another win today. Paul, it was, uh, for the first time in quite some time, a complete game for you guys, uh, offense, defense, and pitching. Hector... Had a little tough go in the first two innings with a high pitch count, but after that he really settled in. Talk about the difference that you're seeing in him uh, in the last couple starts compared to the first four. Well, well, first of all, I think you're right. The game was, was fairly complete. We, we've had trouble uh, you know, cleaning up all three areas on a given day as far as starting pitching and defense and, and hitting. Uh, we, we see a couple of the components from time to time, but we can't finish it out. But, uh, you know, Hector, coming over here, Jack, I, I try to imagine what it's like when you make that transition, especially late in the season, to a team that's not really contending. And, um, you know, you're trying to find your way and, and get relationships with everybody from your teammates and your catchers and your manager and your coaches. Uh, even if you've been around, I'm sure there's a little bit of a challenge to that. And, uh, you know, his, stuff, his starts were a little rough there coming out of the shoot, but you know, he's been working hard. I know there's been some mechanical things that he's been trying to do a little better to to improve his uh, consistency of location with his pitches. And I think that when you start to, you know, gain a little confidence is when you start to get people out. And it seems like he's been able to snowball with that over the last couple of games. I don't know if it is facing his former team or not, but I've noticed a, a spike in his velocity. It seems like yesterday he was throwing the ball uh, two to three miles an hour faster on his fastballs at times. Sure. Uh, and, and that might be the adrenaline factor of facing his former Well, I, I think that could be part of it. I, I think there's been times along the way during his starts here where we've seen him, you know, hit a 92 or 93 occasionally, but I think it's been a little bit more consistent. You know, he backs off when he wants to sink it a little bit more. You'll see the number dip a little bit. But I, I think that he did have a little extra motivation last night, and, that, and that's a good thing when you're, when you're going up against a former club. This is the Paul Molitor Show. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. If you'd like to join us, 877-38-TWINS. Jack Morris is here. Paul Molitor is here as well. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about kind of some bigger picture stuff. But in, in terms of the just this recent stretch, uh, we know what Dozier's been doing. Jorge Polanco's continued to play well in Merritt's conversation. But Trevor Plouffe is also looking probably about as healthy and productive as he's looked all year long. I can't argue with that. Um, you know, the first two guys, you know, Dozier... You could talk. You could do a half an hour on yeah. him at least, and and Polanco's been impressive to me in terms of his steadiness and composure. Very studious. Uh, seems to be applying information we're giving him on the defensive side, base running side, uh, you know, hitting side. 
Uh, but Trevor's come on, and and it's been a tough go. I'm sure mentally he's had to battle some things from, you know, uncertain future and trade rumors and a lot of things, and then the injuries. Um, when you spend five weeks on the DL in the middle of the year, when you come back, it's not easy. It takes some time. You're, you're everyone's kind of rolling along, and you're sitting on the sidelines. So. But he's found a little bit of a, a groove here as the bats are more consistent. We've seen a little bit of power here as of late. Um, you know, he's hit the ball out of the park in Toronto, the right field, center field last night. He's pulled a couple. So it's good to see him getting on track. We know he's, you know, he's done some good things here. You know, he's put up some numbers, some 20 home run seasons and 80-plus RBI seasons. So there's some capability there, obviously. It's just been one of those years where he hasn't been out there enough to put up the, the similar type numbers. It's the Paul Molitor Show. We'll take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk about Byron Buxton. Also talk a little bit more about uh, the broad scope of what's going on with the Minnesota Twins. It's the Paul Molitor Show on your home for Twins baseball. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Happy Sunday morning to you. It's the Paul Molitor Show. It's sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created, legends are made. Breaking in a new producer today, we got... uh, Ben Ben's got the weekend off. He does. We got Miles, Miles going Morris. to the pen. Yeah, going to the pen <laughs> for Miles Morris here today and uh, doing a great job for us on the Paul Molitor show. Paul, I want to talk about Byron Buxton. Been back a couple of days. Obviously, the results are easy to look at. He's he's had some hits, including including some power, playing his customary defense in center field. But he he, he seems relaxed. He seems fluid. Uh, Plouffe even commented on his bat speed the other night, saying, "I hadn't really seen that up here. I'd I'd heard about it." Uh, is he just a more relaxed guy in the last couple of days to you? Well, I think, you know, you're, you're always careful, you know, 10 at-bats in or whatever it's been. But uh, I do think he's playing with confidence. You can talk about mechanically his swing. It seems to be a little bit more fluid. His hands are working well. Um, I, I think somewhere along the way before he came back or down there, he, he's thought about just kind of letting it go a little bit more and not overthinking at-bats and, trying to protect against going deep or striking out and, and just trying to be aggressive from the start. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody really knows what type of player he's going to be in three, four, five years. You know, you can think about a guy who can be very disruptive, use his speed, but you can also at least start to get a glimpse of the fact that he's going to hit the ball over the fence from time to time. Now, that can be a blessing and a curse, and, and uh, you know, where he's going to evolve into, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I'm glad to see that he's taken some shots at uh, being at, being able to drive the ball. Um, if he can, you know, if he can compound that with being able to put it in play and avoid some of the strikeout issues, it's going to be a really nice package. Paul, that's exactly where I was going with the next question. It seems like, you know, and I know it's a small sample size, but since he's been recalled, he, he has made a lot better contact. He has. And here's a guy that was swinging out of the zone, especially in breaking balls down, uh, and I think he was fighting it. Do you, I mean, can you pinpoint why that happens to a young player, or is that just a constant reminder to try to, uh, you know, make sure you don't miss the good pitches? Well, I, I think that if you... A couple of reactions, Jack. I think if you're up there trying not to fail, you're probably going to fail. Yeah. And you have to start envisioning, you know, not like there's fielders all over the place, but there's a lot of room out there to get hits, especially when you can run the way he does. But I, I think that he, you know, has tried to tweak his mechanics a little bit to help his hands get a little bit more free and not get trapped and, uh, you know, being aggressive, the pitches he can hit. You know, we'd, we'd see stretches here early in the year where, you know, he'd have trouble getting the barrel on the ball for three, four days in a row. Yeah. And already in the last few games, we, you know, we've seen him barrel up, you know, a handful of balls and hit him really very solidly. So um, 
the power of the mind. I, I think a confident hitter is going to be a good hitter, and, and that's what we've seen so far here in this short stint. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some other younger guys, and that's your bullpen. And whether it's by age or just by experience, you've got some guys out there who started the year in Double A. You've got some guys out there who are coming into big spots, bases loaded against all-star type hitters sure. in big spots. Down the stretch, when you look at a guy like Light or Shagwar, some of the folks in your bullpen, Taylor Rogers in that group, are you just looking at results or are you looking for how they deal with circumstances, how they react to adversity? When you try to project what these guys can become and if they are future parts of your bullpen, beyond just the results of whether they give up a hit or not, what are you guys looking for? You know, we've had to bring up a lot of guys at relatively the same time, and because of that, uh, you don't have the luxury of easing them into situations. You try to do that, make them less, make them less stressful. But the fact that we had so many new guys up there, um, relatively at close proximity in terms of time, we, we've had to put guys in tough spots. Now, I think in evaluating going forward, you do look at stuff. You know, who's got pitches to get major league hitters out, and then you do also watch how they react to the situations that they have to come into a game into. Now, you know. For a guy like Light or Wimmers or Shagwa, um, it's a tough deal. You come up here and, and you're trying to make an impression. At the same time, you're trying to help your team win a game. And so, you know, un- not unexpectedly, it's been tough for some of those guys in some of the spots they've had to pitch in. But you hope that each time they go out there, you start to see improvement, both in being able to locate pitches and also keep their cool on the mound. Um want to talk about one particular pitch that we've seen, and that's out of Pat Light. He's thrown the split finger, and it's almost been unhittable when he can command it, even times getting swings and misses. With that being said, I know organizations in general have really shied away from trying to teach that pitch because of the stress that it puts on the elbow, but it is a swing and miss pitch, and it looks like there are several candidates on the pitching staff that could use a pitch like that. Is that something you might explore down the road? Well, I think that you do... Uh, you know, Eddie uh, threw a split finger change, um, and he's been talking to some of the guys about how to maybe incorporate that. Buddy Boshears has tried to do a little bit more. Ryan O'Rourke is using it as a weapon against right-handed hitters. You know, Pat Light is a guy who has a really good one. You know, Jack, you and I played during a time where the split finger was a very common pitch. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, eight, nine, ten guys on a staff might have it in their repertoire, and you don't see that as much anymore because of the injuries that – supposedly were linked to throwing that pitch uh, extensively. Um, you know, in Pat's case, you know, he's got a good enough fastball to where we do want him to use that pitch. We, we don't want the split to establish the fastball. Right. We want the fastball to establish the split. Absolutely. And I think he's learning how to do that. I mean, we saw some outings down there in AAA where he'd come in and throw 20 pitches and he'd throw 14 splits. Well, that's probably not the, not the right mix for a guy who's trying to, you know, Get that fastball command and make that secondary pitch more effective. Yeah, and he's got a lot of fastball there. We'll talk more about this and uh, more with Paul Molitor and Jack Morris. When we return, take another break. It's the Paul Molitor Show right here on your home for Twins Baseball. It is the Paul Molitor Show. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. How memories are created, legends are made. We've got a couple of Minnesota-made legends in studio here, Jack Morris, Paul Molitor. Paul, this is a question I posed to uh, Danny earlier in the week. Uh, it just came off a really rough stretch, and it's been uh, a long year, and you've got some young players. 
there are different ways that can go. We talk a lot about the 82 Twins where uh, they lost a ton of games. They learned from that, and then they went on to become a great core group. There are other guys who just get accustomed to that, and they end up playing their whole careers maybe never on a first division club, and they become almost, I don't know if complacent's the word, or okay with it as an individual. As a manager, how do you, or is there anything you can do, or is it just inside the individual player to, to figure out or help shepherd them one way or the other to either hate it so much it's never going to happen to me again or to just that's kind of the way it is and go about your business? I, I think it's a good argument. I don't think there's there's a black and white answer to that. You know, you talk about your minor leagues, for an example, and where you strike the d- balance between learning how to win and learning how to develop, and hopefully you can do both. I personally think you try to win and that's how you develop. But, uh, you know, we do see some guys that have never really been on a team that has had a chance to win, whether it's the minor leagues or up here after a while. And it's not so much a a telltale sign of maybe that individual's makeup other than the fact that this is what they get accustomed to. So, um, you know, we look for players that have certain components that are more conducive to being winning players, whether it's, you know, how they go about their business and preparing and, and competing, um, you know, whether it's in spring training or early in the season or games like this where it's not really overly significant to your standings. Uh, but, yes, you know, you want to develop a winning player. I don't know exactly how you define that, but there's a difference between a guy who gets a little bit comfortable and just being able to walk away from a loss day after day. We're basically talking about competing every time you get the opportunity. Uh, I want to go back to what I see this ball club. I, I, and I said it early in the spring. I was surprised the start everybody, I think, was. But I, I've seen plenty of offense from this club, even through this uh, really tough losing streak in the last couple mm-hmm. weeks. You've had games where you've scored six, seven, eight runs and still lost. And I, I see a core of young players in Rosario, Kepler, Polanco, uh, you know, now Buxton with a couple good games. I see a, a group of guys that could be plenty good enough offensively. It's always about pitching, Paul. You know that. I know that. Right. Um, how do you cultivate that in the minor leagues to – because I look at the game the way it's played, and I and I hope you agree with me. You might not. It's harder and harder to go out and get those premier free agents anymore because teams are signing those guys. They right. need their own pitchers. Pitching is a tough thing to find. It's like catching. It's a, it's a really tough thing to find. Uh, it's an industry issue. Some clubs do a little bit better, either about how they you know bring people into their system or or how they might prepare them. I think we're always trying to find ways to do better. You know, offensively, like you said, Jack, we, we've competed fairly well. If you look at where we stand in comparison to other American League teams, we, we're, we've we done fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does beat up your offense when you're playing from behind or giving up a lot of runs consistently and, you know, you take a lead and you give it back or you find yourself down early in the game. It takes its toll. But um, the whole pitching thing, um, you know, obviously we're, we're continuing to look at what we're doing down there to try to guys get ready to advance and get to the major leagues. Uh it's a tough thing, even though just because a guy can throw 95 doesn't mean he's going to be a good league, major league pitcher. We see other teams bring out guys that haven't figured it out, too. You know, Chicago, mm-hmm. a little bit of an example. With yep. uh, You know, Noah talked to Robin the other day. He said, we got guys that are trying to still figure it out, even though they can throw it 95 miles an hour, and how to get people out up here. So we're going to keep trying. Um, we, we believe in locating the fastball is the first step to any successful pitcher, and it's got to, it's got to kind of fall into place after that. 
We'll take our last break. When we return, we'll wrap things up. Think a little bit about today's ballgame twins' chance to win a series against the Chicago White Sox. It's the Paul Molitor Show right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back to the Paul Molitor Show. Paul is here. Jack Morris is here. Jack brought some help today, so I think we're it's, it's he's good, on top of it? it too. He yeah. is. Yeah, is Ben worried? No, is no, ben... no rust. He's, he's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Miles Morris doing the job producing for us here today. White Sox are here. The Twins have a chance now to win a series. Uh, to do that, Andrew Albers will will have to give you a good start. He's given up some hits. We've seen him have some success in the past, and uh, it's it's not an insignificant day uh, with a chance to win a series. I don't care what your record is. That that's something you're shooting for every time out. Well, it is, and we haven't even been able to talk about winning a series for quite a while. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you know there's a good effort today, and, and Albers will be a big key to what we what we get done uh, in terms of winning and losing. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's done a couple of good things, he's, especially when he's come in and, and eat, eaten up some innings when we've had games where we've needed to protect our bullpen. Last start didn't go particularly well. I, I think these guys know, even if they've been around, that the margin of error up here is pretty small. You know, you think you get a ball in on a guy, and if you miss by even two or three inches, it's either a home run or a, or a foul ball or an out or whatever it is. So um, he knows how to compete. I don't think he gets particularly nervous. He's, he's a guy who has an idea of what he's trying to do, and he knows what he needs to do to give our team a chance. Paul, one thing that I've noticed, and, and I know you're aware of this because you played in a generation where it was much more uh, obvious, but pitching inside, it still works. And yet, overall, I think guys just have lost the art of knowing when to pitch on the plate, when sure. to pitch off the plate inside. Well, I, I think it's true. Uh, you know, it's been a little bit uh, disheartening, to be honest with you, when we're facing teams that are swinging the bats really well. You know, Toronto as an example. Mm-hmm. And these guys are just diving out there and they're swinging, taking very aggressive cuts, which is what good hitters do. Sure. But you have to let them know that you want them to keep from getting too comfortable. And I didn't think some of those series, Cleveland, that we didn't do a good enough job of, of pushing those guys off the plate a little bit. Now, a good hitter is going to get back in there and not let it phase them too much. But mm-hmm. you at least have to let them know that, you know, you get what they're trying to do and you're going to try to alter their plan somewhat. You look at what Santana's been able to do over the past two, three months, he's been pitching in really, really well. Mm-hmm. Righties, lefties, and he doesn't miss out over the plate very often. Um, he either gets an out on a weak swing or, you know, the guy does a good job of taking a pitch just off the plate. But it's the it's difference between going out there and having a chance or, or just getting beaten around a little bit. You've got to pitch inside, Jack. There's no doubt about it. What was the old Bob Gibson line? That half the plate's mine. It's I'm just not going to tell you which half I'm taking <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on any given at bat. Uh, what about the White Sox today in, in terms of what, what you're going to see from their starter? Well, you know, we don't know this guy particularly well. He's had a couple starts. It hasn't, hasn't gone great. Um, again, he's been missing spots. You don't know how he's going to respond today with, with a guy that has this few innings up here. But uh, righties are hitting him better than lefties. Command has been a little bit of an issue in terms of, you know, allowing some free passes and some long balls. So um, the guy's got to be feeling pretty good offensively. we got a lot of guys that are swinging the bats well. So it's just one of those games where you hope you get off to a good start. You give Albers a little bit of a lead to work with, and hopefully he can, you know, get you at least midway through the game and, and have a chance to win. You've got a better uh, pulse on the players uh, that you're putting in the lineup every day. But, you know, 
for a game that you had a, a breather last night, a very good game, a lot of runs scored, do you think they come to the ballpark? Uh, I know everybody's different when you look at the pitcher that you're facing, but they've got to come to the ballpark today with, with a lot more confidence than the, they did a week ago. I think they do, Jack. You know, even just a couple of wins, as, as uh, you know, that might not sound, you know, it might even be a little silly that, you know, you're confident coming in when you've lost as many games as we have here in the last few weeks. But uh, there's a good feeling, you know, to win that game here the first first night. The second game got a little bit ugly late, but we bounced back. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of positivity about how we're going to go out there and try to compete today. All right, good stuff, Paul. Always great to have you here in studio. Wonderful as always. Always insightful. Very, very honest and transparent. Paul Molitor, Jack Morris here in studio. Reminder, Dave St. Peter's in studio at noon with Corey Provis for Inside Twins. Then our pregame lineup card. Then Andrew Albers on the bump as the Twins tangle with the White Sox final game of a four-game series. This has been the Paul Molitor Show on your home for Twins baseball. You have been listening to The Paul Molitor Show, sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.